Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the Anything Pod, the podcast where we talk about anything. I'm your host Prat Kashyap. Let's get started. In today's episode, we are going to discuss Hinduism in modern times, the Indian American experience being a Hindu, and some pop culture with my podcast guru Karan from the Nice Cast. Hey bro. Hello. Hey. Hi bro. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How about you? Can you hear me clearly? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Good. Perfect. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. How's life amid the pandemic? Uh, just trying to keep it pushing and figuring things out as always. How about over there? Uh, cases rising daily. So. Oh wow. <laughs> what part of India are you in? Uh, I live in Mysore. south part of india nice nice you uh, know mysore is called the heritage city of india because uh, it has uh, more cultural history uh, in the south part of india mm. so uh, there are also a lot uh, a lot of palaces over here so it's also called city of palaces nice and you pronounce your name in in the the most indian way possible you you pronounce your name pradyumna yes thank you cool. <laughs> just wanted to make sure <laughs> yeah because so many indians don't pronounce it properly mm how do they pronounce it uh the other day uh, at uh, i i had gone to starbucks so the guy mm. i i usually write it as p r a d h because okay. i want to screw up my name yeah. but the the barista called me as prabha <laughs> <laughs> he should have just called you Prabhu then. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he'd call me that. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to finally talk to you. How's uh, how's everything else likewise. been there? Tell me about your your life. I'm really curious about about your life and how how things have been for you and. when you look at when you look at for example in indian americans how do you feel about them if there's any maybe disconnect or anything like that i i actually feel the opposite my cousins are indian americans okay uh, they live in so uh, uh my other cousin also she lives there and she's she is pregnant with uh, twins right now she is due oh wow congrats or something Uh, thank you <laughs> so uh, i actually uh, connect with my cousins a lot you know uh, mm. i learn um, i learn from them and how i also keep asking them how are indians treated and uh, they say they are treated pretty well okay so uh, i just wanted to go on some topics with you sure like, of course anything you let's want let's start let's start with your name karan it's it's named after karna the selfless one yeah so what do you, what do you want to say about that uh <laughs> i want to say that people here call me karen all the time <laughs> <laughs> which uh when the whole karen meme thing started to happen i was like this this is the worst possible thing to happen <laughs> cuz everyone hates karen and that's automatically what what basically non south asian people they see my name and they think it's karen so I was like great just my luck um no but I think 
Gardner is a very intriguing character, and I think he, he the way he elicits people's opinions. I think there's a shift in looking at him as a tragic character or maybe a misunderstood character, and uh, I can see it from that perspective. But I also feel like if you look at him, there's certainly moments where he wasn't the most upstanding citizen either, yeah. too. So. He's a very, very complex, complicated character. And I don't like to look at... Initially, I would look at Mabarth characters and, and feel like this one is a tragedy and this one is a tragedy. But I, I think they're all tragic in their own way. So I then, because of that, I don't think any of them are tragic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, even I think so the same. Because uh, the whole characters which are in Mahabharata are in a gray area. Mm. Uh, Including Krishna for that fact. For sure. Because, yeah. Uh, he cheats. <laughs> he does things that as a god he shouldn't do. So pretty much everyone is in a gray area in Mahabharata. Oh, for sure. Even when Gandhari curses Krishna, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 weird when you... I think that's what I appreciate most about our culture is that even the gods are not above being cursed. Like yes. they, they, they're not above, uh, they're not above their own set of flaws and everything. And uh, I, I appreciate that because I think, I think if you look at, for example, someone like Superman, and you look at Zack Snyder's interpretation of Superman, why most people yeah. will like him is that they feel like, well, what Zack did was he humanized that character, or he made yeah. that character relatable. So I feel like our culture has just been doing that instinctively and intuitively with with gods of hey. Even they are also tragic characters, just like your existence is tragic as well. Absolutely. Uh, and and we also know that Zach is a big fan of Mahabharata. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, I don't know uh, if you ever saw this. He has, there was a picture around, prior to Justice League's release, there was a picture of him drawing on a table. And yeah, there's a big I, Om symbol on the table. I don't know if it, I don't know if you ever noticed that or not. Okay. I, I haven't noticed that. I, I should check it out. Yeah. I, I think so. He's, uh, you know, uh, he's inspired by Hinduism a lot because mm. uh, the way he places the characters. Even uh, for a matter of fact, Wonder Woman. Mm. Wonder Woman is, uh, you know, in such a positive way, like our goddesses. True. So uh, I just connect Wonder Woman with our goddesses like uh, someone like Kali or someone. So, mm. uh, no, she she also has to, you know, go through the set of the rules, which is set by man, but still powerful. Yeah. In True. And, um, and you grew up just, you grew up also really liking superheroes? Yeah, actually, uh, I started reading comics at the age of four, I think so. I used to get them nice. for these Milk Bickies biscuit packets, free uh, Justice League comics. So since then, I've been a DC fanatic. Nice, nice. And you would say that, because I'm really curious about, because being over here, I have my own perception of how life may be there, but how influential is, quote unquote, the the Western media or the Western entertainment in India? Is it, because it, we look at it and say it's it's huge, but is it really that big? Uh, I 
i would also agree with you it's it's kind of huge because uh, there are three uh, you know uh, it can be the western influence can be divided into three parts one mm. one which people don't understand at all like uh, like there are a set of people who don't care that even english movies comes out and uh, usually uh, like i live in karnataka so my regional movies which come in kannada sometimes mm. copy from those english movies and they make movies and they make money here like you know uh, tens of millions of dollars easily true so uh, there was this movie called uh, rambo 2 so even yeah. kind of copy but the whole plot is copied from a canadian movie i forgot the name uh, it is which which was a bomb in the canadian box office also and mm. they copied parts from uh, jojo's bizarre adventure the anime wow yeah so <laughs> i was wa- watching jojo the other day with my brother and where have i where have i seen this uh, no the scenes like <laughs> those cars and all <laughs> then like, <laughs> i remember <laughs> that <laughs> I saw it in this movie. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like it's becoming too much where maybe people there are too heavily influenced by western ideas or culture and we're we're losing sight of our own? Yeah, uh, uh about that, you know, uh, mm. it does happen uh sometimes you know when uh, if someone uh they dress in a traditional manner wearing a dhoti and you know uh, having a kumkum on their forehead yeah they tre- they get treated in a separate kind of way like uh, you know in hindi they say gaon ka gawar uh, mm. the village brute some something like that they treat them like yeah that. but damn they are the one who are uh, still upholding our culture that they should understand Mm. So uh there's that the influential of western media as in uh, news if i say uh i think so india deals with a national issue every day so yeah so not much as in news mm so uh, uh i'll ask you the opposite thing how does okay indian uh, you know entertainment and stuff happen over there for me growing up Bo- bollywood movies were always a huge part so i was always connected and then we had this thing here where um there were two ways you can get entertainment so there was one that we would call cable and that was that was just wired and stuff like that but then there was also something called satellite so they would put a satellite on on the ceiling of your home and the satellite was the only way you had access to indian programming so a lot of indians here would have satellites on their houses because they wanted to watch tv asia they wanted to have access to ztv and and all that so we were always connected at least entertainment wise by that because growing up i mean my parents for example they rarely watched anything non-indian programming wise um my mom would when i was little take me to 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 hollywood movies but even the things that we would do together would be going to 
to to watch Bollywood movies in the theater and stuff together. So we've always been connected there, but I feel like we there is an issue here between us where we don't necessarily take the most pride in, in our culture for, for whatever reason. And the older I'm getting, I'm finding that problematic because I, if you look at all the other minority groups in America, they've all established a unique cultural presence way more than we have. Uh, I think the biggest example is all the Chinese Americans here. They have established a huge cultural presence in America. And I feel like Indians relatively, we, we haven't done that. We just, for lack of a better term, we just try to end up becoming um, whitewashed or will be heavily influenced by hip hop culture. So we'll, we'll adapt that as part of our identity. And um, yeah, I, I find that really problematic. Like I don't understand why Indian men in America go through they go through really elaborate things of trying to get uh, or figuring out how they're going to propose to the, to their girlfriend. Yeah. And I just think about how I don't, I, I don't know how Indians thought propose like proposing to me was always a white thing. Right. I don't, yeah. pro- we don't propose in our culture, yes. but, but they've taken that on. And it, that, I think that is the biggest example of, we we are shaping instead of bringing our culture and making it fit in America, we're just incorporating or taking part of American culture and discarding our own. And uh, when you think about that, generations and generations down the line, I think it's very scary. I I agree because uh, I think so. It is both an advantage and a disadvantage, as you know, Indians. Are like water. They they take any shape given to them. Uh, mm. said, That's a great analogy. In America, uh, like they blend into the American culture so much that they they don't want to be identified as Indians. They they are just Americans. Yeah. And uh, and from the other side, uh, usually mm. all Indians and uh, the Asiatic countries country people are referred just Asians. And most of the Asians, if they tell Asians, the only thing that comes into our minds are Chinese and Japanese. Mm, Yeah. So, uh, as you said, uh, we have to make uh, our own identity out there. Oh, 100%, bro. Pradyumnam, you won't even even believe. One night I was out at dinner and uh, I was in law school at the time. So, it was me and three other three other white kids, or or, or or yeah, it was two other white guys and one white woman. We're all having dinner, and I don't know how the conversation came up, but here before you take a test or you fill out a form, they ask you for your nationality and they ask you for your ethnicity, right? So it'll be like, it'll be like American, it'll be like Hispanic, and then it'll say Asian and and stuff like that. So yeah. they were asking, well, what do I fill out? And I say, well, I fill out Asian. And then they said exactly what you said. They're like, but you're not Chinese or Japanese. And then I tell them, I'm like, well, India is part of Asia. And I wish I could show you the look on their faces. Their heads exploded when they realized that India was was part of Asia. They didn't even know that. And that to me was very telling because I think that says a lot maybe about us on how we haven't established 
our culture and the rich civilization of, of in, in history that we come from yeah. to where, like you just said, exactly, it's wild that when people think of Asia, they think of China, they think of Japan, that's it. We don't even exist on that continent. And we are going to be the most populous nation over the next 20, 25 years. That's and true. it's just absolutely wild in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to ask because uh, I'm planning to move there. Okay, nice. US. So uh, how is it for, uh, for an Indian kid as an immigrant out there in the US? <laughs> Um, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 23. 23. I think when you come, it'll be, it'll be easier. Do you know what part you're going to try to, to, to move to? Uh, I think so with the money, <laughs> the money I have right now, uh, I am thinking of joining the New York Film Academy. So nice. So basically, uh, in New York. Hmm. New York is, is good in that regard is that there are a lot of people um, from India, from South A- Southeast Asia in general, or South, South Asia in general. There's a, there's a huge population there. And I think high school is where it gets tricky and problematic because there's a lot of high school drama that usually goes on. So high school can be a very difficult time, but thankfully you're, you're, you're past that. So I think you'll, I think you'll be good when you come here. I think people are generally very accepting and very accommodating. New York is just very fast paced and it's very, very hectic. So just be mindful of that. But, but yeah. So, uh, so you live in New Jersey, right? I used to live in New Jersey, but I live in Florida now. Oh, okay. Okay. So there are a lot of memes about Florida men, though. <laughs> <laughs> there are. <laughs> so, every day I get one of those. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's come back to the topic of Hinduism. Uh, so, what sure. is your view on uh, Hinduism as a general, not even as a religion, as a general topic? Mm. I think Hinduism is, I think by making it a religion, I think that does it a disservice because the more I'm learning about it, it doesn't function like a traditional religion at all. And I think people's concept of of religion is very Abrahamic. It's very Christian, Judaism, and Islam oriented. So when they think of religion, when they think of how a religion is supposed to function, um, and I think, you know, I, I watch a lot of talks from a lot of great Indian thinkers. Like, I'm a big fan of Devdutt. Uh, there's also <laughs> another Indian thinker. Uh, he's in, he's based out of New Jersey. His name is Rajiv Malhotra. Yeah, I listen to Rajiv Malhotra, too. Nice. And, and Chopra. So, uh... Exactly. So, I, I, this is something I think Devdutt said in a talk where, or that, I think both of them have said this in some form or fashion together and they said that you know when you think of hinduism there's there's no one place of worship that we go to we usually have a place of worship in our own homes um we don't necessarily have a priest or a preacher that we that we go to to give us that knowledge uh there's no system set right there's no church that we have that we must be a part of that we must always contribute to. There's no, there's no idea of well, 
we are just going to worship this one entity and this one entity alone. So there, Hinduism is very fluid to me, right? And I think if you look at Krishna and the Gita, where he's basically listing out ways of saying that, hey, if you can't be, for example, a, a hermit and completely abandon all worldly possessions and go meditate in a forest and just connect with the oneness, okay, then here's another path for you as well, karm yoga. Um, and when you look at it that way, it's basically say and do whatever you want, you know, and I appreciate that about Hinduism and other religions, I feel like aren't, aren't as accommodating and they're very, for lack of a better word, they're very limiting in, in the way they will, will, uh, feel like you can be a spiritual person or connect with God or, or some higher power. What do you think? Uh, I think so, uh, you know, uh... Basically, uh, I come from, uh, you know, the heritage of Adi Shankara. So, Mm. follow Advaita philosophy. And uh, what we say is, uh, Aham Brahmasmi. So, Brahma and I are the same. And as as you said, uh, the term religion is actually based on these uh, Abrahamic religions such as Christianity and Islam. Hinduism is just a way of life. Or, uh, 100%. Sanatan Dharm, that is what it is. Mm. Mm. So, uh, it is basically, yeah, as you said, and uh, there's, you know, uh, don't mind me saying this, but uh, I I was reading some of the articles which said, uh, you know, uh, uh, the only way to heaven is through Jesus in Christianity and the only way to heaven is through prophet in Islam. But Mm. uh, in Hinduism, heaven is just the third step. Yeah, but truth is the seventh step. That is the utmost, uh, you know, honor a one one person could get. Mm. So, uh, it, it's kind yeah. Of- I don't know if I don't know if you watched the podcast that Dave that and I did, but I was telling him the 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 story that uh, I went to a private Christian school for two years, and that's exactly what they would tell me almost on a daily basis that if I don't accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to yeah. go to hell. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah, and uh, you know, I think that's that's a really. I mean, if that's what the genuine religious belief is, and I think a part of you has to respect that, but I I find that problematic because I don't think anyone can with assurity say that hey, this will get you into heaven. We have no confirmation of that, you know. Absolutely. And if you and I think hell is a very heaven and hell are very powerful motivators to get people to to do what you want them to do, you know, because when we think of heaven, we think of this peaceful, pleasant place. When we think of hell, we think of this this damned and um, forsaken place. Yeah. And nobody wants to, to be there. So I think. I think what other religions do, and maybe this is controversial to say, I think they all have great marketing. Uh, they have they have great marketing strategies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 Hinduism necessarily doesn't because our marketing strategy is go out and do go out and be whoever you want to be. Yes. As opposed to you have to follow this, you have to do this on this day, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to feel this way, you have to believe in this. And I appreciate that because I think life is, I think Hinduism accounts for the complexities of life better than, than other religions do, in, in my opinion. 
And that's not even saying it in a way of, of a superiority complex. I was just objectively going by what's there. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to share some fun, uh, you know, fun, but uh, you know, awesome theories that uh, mm. I researched over the years. Uh, in Hit me. in the time of Mahabharata, uh, before the Pandavas went to war with Kauravas, they took all of their weapons, including their nuclear weapons, and they kept it far away from India. That place mm. was called Astra Alaya, meaning the home of weapons. So hmm. that part is now Australia, and uh, there are there's so much radiation in Australia that uh, you know uh, Australia is a very deserted place, to be honest. Hmm. And those deserts have uh, spiking levels of radiation. So they say uh, wow. Pandavas kept their weapons there, so it didn't affect anyone over here in their kingdom. Hmm. That is one. That of- is fascinating. I never knew that. Damn. <laughs> that is one of the story. And uh, the death of Lord Krishna uh, when he was, uh, you know, uh, killed by a hunter. Mm. That story actually, uh, according to a legend, that happens around, you know, some 10 miles from my home. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that's it- when they say Kalyuk started at that moment, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, there's a river bed and uh, there's mm. a small forest area which which used to be a huge forest back then you know even during the british era so uh, they say at that place uh, krishna you know breathed his, breathed his last so do that, people go there and is it a uh, is it a uh, picnic spot or what is it is it a vacation this, spot not, for people to go uh, there's nothing like that now. It's an industrial area, but okay. Very, very near to that, there's a temple. It's called uh, Nanjungud, that uh, mm. the city. It that is also on a riverbed. So that uh, you know, they say it is the Kashi of South India. So mm. They say that, and uh, another funny, uh, you know, this theory. I think so. You might have seen this on the internet also. Uh, you know, the evolution explained in uh, Dashavatara. Because... Uh, no, tell me tell me about it. Uh, we know that life came from the aquatic species. So, uh, the water species is Matsya, the first avatara. Mm. And yeah. the second one is, uh, you know, uh, amphibians. So, both on water mm. and land, that is Kurmavatara, the tortoise. And the third one is... Uh, Right. It's Varaha. So, mm. it, it is a very wild animal, a wild boar. You know, how dangerous a wild boar can be. Yeah. <laughs> and the fourth one is Narasimha. Like half man, half animal. So, mm. uh, that is the early stages of a man. And the fifth one is Vamana. Vamana is, uh, you know, a, a kid who doesn't know much. Mm. And... Uh, Sixth is Parashurama. Even though being an adult, he he doesn't have that much knowledge. Like the early people, some, you know, like the cavemen, we can, you know, contrast it with. And yeah. the seventh being Rama. Rama, mm. Rama was, you know, he was educated, but he didn't 
tell uh, all no his he didn't preach it to anyone so he mm. kept he kept his education only to him and then came krishna krishna preached it to the whole world and then came buddha buddha again mm. uh, told it to many other people so <laughs> we will have to wait for kalki to come to know what it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this is uh, this is a nice analogy uh, on how the dashavatara was compared to the evolution of life on this mm. planet and uh, 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 while saying vamana there is also this funny story where uh, as you know uh, vamana steps on the head of bali mm. and uh, he is condemned to hell so the thing is uh, there is actually research on this there is a Uh, I think so. I forgot the name of the book. I'll just send it to you later. Yeah. Uh, in that, the the author says, when Vamana steps Bali to the ground, he tra he condemns him to hell. Hell, which was you know like one eighty degrees opposite India. Mm. So uh, he travels through a sea route. and when you roughly compare 180 degrees to kerala which the place where he was you know stormed on that is yeah. peru in uh, you know south america so yeah. those temples uh, resemble some of the temples which are in kerala damn so uh, back then <laughs> america was considered hell <laughs> <laughs> ironic <laughs> Yeah, even if I mean I, I've seen Devdutt speak about this in a weird way, and I never really thought about it in that context. But if you look at people who left India to come to America for a better life and stuff, and Devdutt will always say, "If if India was so great, why did you leave?" And I think about that. I we're like we're talking about marketing strategies, right? I think the the American dream is a marketing strategy, and. Over time, I'm like I, I, I kind of at times wish we didn't ever come to America, and I grew up just over there, and I had access to, to the culture in that regard, and not having to discover it years and years later down, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I never once thought the American dream was a marketing strategy until you just said it. <laughs> oh, it's the ultimate marketing strategy. <laughs> Now it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just But... ask uh how do you feel Hinduism in this western and you know other religion dominated world? That's a great question, bro. I bec- I think people have a different idea of what Hinduism is as opposed to what Hinduism actually is. Yeah. And I think as we were touching up upon before we have nobody to blame for that but us because we've allowed it to be this thing and maybe that's a credit to hinduism and how flexible and stuff it can be but you know it's uh i think yoga is the, the biggest example of if you saw people's understanding of yoga here it's 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 as capitalism oriented and people opening yoga studios and charging 100 dollars a month for you to come do yoga in a very sweaty environment 
in a very hot and sweaty environment. And I feel like we've just, because we haven't taken pride in it, and it's a very deep-rooted issue. It's just the Western understanding of Hinduism is that Krishna is the Jesus counterpart, and uh, the Gita is the Bible counterpart. And that's not true at all. And it's it's weird when you he, when you hear Indians in America describe the Gita as the Bible of the Hinduism, and that's not what the Gita is at all. And Krishna is not Jesus. Yes, you know, Krishna is not a savior figure. Krishna is, is it's and it's it's when things like that get warped and distorted, and you have to sit there and ask yourself why is it doing that, you know. So if we take Krishna and we say, well, Krishna is our Jesus, why are we do why why do yeah. we feel the need to do that? Why can't Krishna just be Krishna and explored and studied and expounded upon in the context of just Krishna? Why do we feel like we have to have someone match the Western idea of Jesus? And uh, yeah, bro, it's wild. Uh, as you said, there's this wild theory because. some people believe uh, even my uncle used to say this that he mm. believed this they that jesus went to india no no uh, that i have a book also about that that jesus lived in india this is the mm. other one they say the word krishna mm. it slowly became christ that is what christ is you know that uh, like uh, a savior kind of guy yeah but uh, they say the word christ derived from the word krishna wow so, so i never i never heard of that but i i and i want to talk to you about this now that we brought it up i have heard theories that if you look at the bible it starts from jesus the gospel it starts from jesus's birth and then it picks up to when he's he he's beyond adulthood or he he's in adulthood yes. so for that that large gap i have heard theories that that jesus says Jesus learned a lot of his world view from in from India and yes there's actually a book called uh, Jesus lived in India in that mm, let me google uh, that now yeah uh, have you read that book yeah uh, actually my father uh, gifted it to me on my birthday uh, about wow 8 years ago or something uh it's called uh jesus lived in india a book by holger kirsten mm. so uh you know uh, in that they uh, the author says um the language of hebrew and the language mm. kashmiri they both match uh, you know uh, in writing wise they are very wow. close and uh, some of what jesus says in his teachings are uh, based on buddhist and hinduism uh, based knowledge it seems that way bro it really does seem that way and uh, the uh, the author also shows a photograph in that uh, which says uh, the tomb of jesus lies in kashmir mm so uh, both uh, jesus and his mother mary they have been buried in kashmir and not uh, you know in israel mm. so it's in So, I and so. what do you feel um, about what do you feel about sanskrit uh, i'm actually uh, you know unfortunately i i only studied sanskrit until the 6th grade 
because mm. uh, in the seventh grade when I shifted to the other school, it didn't have Sanskrit, so I left that touch. But fortunately, both my brother and my sister, my sister, uh, she is in the ninth grade, but my brother is now he is entering his college. He is still learning Sanskrit, so I feel fortunate and unfortunate at the same time that I didn't learn. But uh, mm. in our household, uh, from the beginning, we you know we we say shlokas and mantras, and uh, I do <clears throat> the sandhya vanna kriya. So uh, we have a touch of Sanskrit, but not in a deeper way. And what do they say about Sanskrit as a language? That it's a, I I believe the expression I've heard is that it's the most scientific language is that accurate yes uh, it is ac- actually accurate uh, wait a minute i have a book here uh, there's this book called, i like i like uh, that about you that it, it seems like you read a lot I, I like that about you uh i was about to tell you this uh, <laughs> this book is called uh, you know wisdom of ancient indians it's made by my mm. parents so, nice <laughs> they wrote it uh, they- it's not uh, they haven't written they've taken quotes from uh, scientists and uh, scriptures and wow. we have in uh, it's called biovel it's from a russian scientist so uh, it it detects energy and our aura and stuff so mm. with that my parents they have done research and uh, they have printed this small book so uh, in this book it uh, it says here sanskrit decreases heart rate decreases respiratory rate improves brain coherence calms down the mm. brain increases absorption capacity and improves concentration uh it's told by dr travis and dr alaric uh from usa and wow and the other quote is sanskrit was the original language of the earth and it was spoken mm. all over the world it's uh, told by mr hallhead in indian antiquities which was published in 1972 hmm so this is what my parents have written about sanskrit here so wow there are, there are a lot uh, you know the bhagavad gita for example hmm uh, the gayatri mantra the gayatri mantra uh, i usually repeat it around 108 times a day so yeah thing uh, you know i'll just read out what's written here gayatri mantra sure. is the most powerful hymn in the world it produces mm. uh, you know 1 lakh 10000 vibrations per second it's told by dr howard steingerrill hamburg university germany mm. and it has 24 letters each syllable stimulates one divine character of the human being wow so uh i mean uh, in the vedas and in our ancient scriptures uh we were so scientifically you know evolved we were yeah yeah uh, because uh we knew that the earth was not flat and it was round and it was moving mm. it was uh, you know rotating the sun and no, not the other <laughs> yeah and uh and this uh, there's this shloka for krishna it's mm. called uh, gopi bhagya madhuravrata 
and it has this number system it's called kata fa ya di sankhya so hmm. it is uh, when you combine when you add these numbers into the shloka we get 3.1415926 until 31 digits which is the pi value wow so <laughs> it is all <laughs> no pretty connected <laughs> yeah and uh, uh, while you know doing uh, sankalpa before the starting of any puja uh, we say vaivaswata uh, manvantara Uh, hmm. Have you heard it? No. They say uh, you know you can you can search it on YouTube saying sankalpa of any Hindu puja. They say vaivaswata mm-hmm. manvantara. Uh, a manvantara is a cosmic year. That is okay. The time taken by our solar system, uh, you know, to move around the Milky Way galaxy. Hmm. So according to our Vedas. Uh, the solar system moves 250 kilometers per second or 828000 kilometers per hour and mm. uh, the time taken to move around the milky way is 290 to 310 million years as per the veda and 270 to 290 million years as per nasa hmm so uh, <laughs> damn as as we can see you know maybe it was just uh even nasa scientists also they can only theorize it they can't you know practically prove this which is impossible with the technology yeah. we have right now so we just don't know we i think so the vedas might be right can't say anything no you can't but the fact that they have accounted for that so long ago is very yeah. telling and uh, uh, in the lalita sahasranama uh, they uh, there's this mentions they call uh, mother lalita as ananta koti brahmanda nayaki i mean the mother of infinite universes mm. and chitagni kunda sambhuta i mean uh, while sustaining into the uh, you know translating into modern views what we say is mind is the center of the universe so yeah. according to that shloka chitagni kunda sambhuta the person who is born by the fire in my brain the spark in my brain so mm. that eventually proves that the mind is the center of the universe true I, I 100% believe that. So, you know, <laughs> I was just randomly thinking how um the concept of infinite and I was thinking how you know, there's no way to quantify how much your brain can contain. Yes. Uh I there's no way to quantify how much experience it can contain. There's no way to quantify how much subconscious thoughts it can contain subconscious knowledge there's no way to quantify like you can't put a a quantify you can't quantify how many gigabytes a dream is yeah. right yeah you can't say oh, a, a a dream is 10 gigabytes and you just had it and it's just stored there's literally no way to quantify 
any part of how much information, experience, emotion, et cetera, that your brain can contain. When you think about that, that is absolutely wild. And, uh, you know, uh, while thinking about that, uh, mm. there's this uh, saying by Dr. Stephen Hawking. He says, Vedas might have a theory superior to Einstein's law E equals MC square. And right now, uh, you know, with quantum physics, what we learn is that uh, even, for example, I have my iPad in front of me. The atoms inside hmm. the iPad and the atoms inside my body are one and the same. They have just taken another form, which is, hmm. which is nothing but Maya. So uh, it's nothing but Advaita philosophy once again, coming back to Advaita. So yeah. it is, I, I feel this, I, I can't, you know, scientifically prove this or anything, but no, not, not that energy equals, uh, you know, E equals MC square, but now E equals M, energy equals matter because both are the mm. same right now. Damn. So, uh, so some of these are very <laughs> wild theories. Very. But see, they're part of our culture. And it's amazing that they're part of our culture. And, you know, uh, imagine if we started looking at this and said, this is something that I take immense pride in knowing as an Indian, that these ideas originated in at the earliest point within our civilization. That to me is the coolest thing. That's cooler than any superhero that Western media can produce. That's cooler than any film. That's cooler than any scientific discovery anyone here can produce. And yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always bring it back to the idea of us taking more pride in our culture. And I think we, we have to all collectively do that. And, uh, you know, um, in the Isha Vasya Upanishad, I think so in the hmm. first chapter and the eighth shloka, uh, it goes uh, something like this. Tadai jati, nannai jati, taddure, tadvantike. Uh, I forgot the other two lines. So uh, it basically translate, uh, translates to, you know, um, it moves, it moves not. It is there, mm. it is not there. That is nothing but the definition of electron. You know, uh, like the basic definition. So it is there, but it is not there because because we can't see that. Yeah. And as you said, uh, uh, Hindu characters are beyond superheroes because we might actually see this in a new way. But uh, I, from my childhood, I used to think Superman was inspired by Hanuman. You know, uh, mm, immense, that's fascinating. The immense strength and uh, flight capability. Flight, yeah. And, you know, uh, the uh, purity of his heart. Mm. So, I I can easily compare this with Zack Superman because uh, li- leaving aside the powers, um, let's say Super Cavill for right now, he is just living for humanity. Hmm. And Hanuman lives only for Rama. So, because yeah. Rama is his world and, uh, you know, <laughs> translating here, Lois is Superman's world. Mm. uh... It wouldn't surprise me if it served as some inspiration. And I think I I remember reading somewhere that George Lucas took Ramayan for 
inspiration for Star Wars. Well, I didn't know that. And yeah, that that is also another. I'm not sure how widely he George Lucas has spoken about in interviews, but there are articles and stuff out there saying that Remind definitely inspired Star Wars. And my knowledge of of Remind is very very limited. And I, I need to do more learning about that. But I think Mabarth-wise, I know enough about the Mabarth to, I think, to have intellectual discourse. But Ramayan, I, I don't have that at all. You know, uh, uh, and I've, do you have a particular, do you have a particular one that you gravitate more, more to, towards? Uh, f- fun fact, <laughs> when I was in my seventh grade, I wrote a, a, a book for kids. Uh, it's called Ramayana mm. for kids. I condensed it into simpler words and I wrote, wrote it uh, down. So it was published as a school magazine back then. It was about wow. 12 years ago or something. And uh, uh, my father is a doctor. So he got this book called uh, Ramayana in Human Physiology by Dr. Tony. Mm. So uh, in that book... Uh, the author compares Ramayana characters with the, um, you know, human physiology. So part okay. of the brain and which part of the brain and uh, Hanuman is in the heart. I think so. Mm. I've forgotten. It. But that is a very nice book to, you know, uh, study Ramayana. Mm. And uh, there, there was this anime movie called Ramayana. Uh, you watched that? No, I haven't. It was made by the Japanese government with the Indian government. I, I'll send you the YouTube link. Uh, so that is one okay. of the most done Ramayana movies. Wow. Okay. And it's on YouTube? YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. So Wow. I'll just, okay. I'll, I'll look at it right now. <laughs> and uh, Yes, yeah, understand it. And the Ramayana TV show also. Mm, the old one. Yeah, the old one. Uh, it's called the one Ramayana that they, they they started playing that during lockdown, right? I remember that was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 garnered so many views, like wow. huge, huge. And uh, what it was the best part because uh, many of these young kids. Uh, didn't know much about Rama and his life as a mm. human being, uh, let alone uh, being a god. And the issue of uh, the temple at Ayodhya, which got, you know, the Bhumi Pujan happened yeah. uh, 11 days ago. So uh, it was good to know that many kids right now know what Rama was and uh, mm. what he stood for. And if you were to give me a um, a compare and contrast quickly of of Mabarth versus Ramayan, what would you what would your your breakdown be? Uh, I I'll just say it in two ways. Ramayana okay. is a is a book uh, from where we should learn what to do as a good person, and okay. Mahabharata is a book where we have to learn as a good person what we shouldn't do. Mm, interesting. Because uh, including the game of dice 
like gambling by yudhishthira yeah. and uh, again draupadi's uh, abuse mm. so stuff like that uh, the only problem i have is when uh, rama sends sita back to you know the ashram mm. and uh, i was reading about that specifically where uh, in uh, in the in the code of raja dharma so it says uh, a normal praja i mean the um, you know the people of his kingdom that mm. guy's opinion is more important than the opinion of the king so that is why rama had sent sita back to the ashram damn uh, i was reading that and uh, <laughs> the other thing is uh, in ramayana uh, you know let's say back then india and sri lanka were one so good and evil were the were on the opposite sides of the same country but in mahabharata mm. good and evil were uh, on the opposite sides of the same family Mm. so <laughs> basic difference that's fascinating uh the animated movie cuz i've seen they Dav- i've seen dev that talk it i've i've seen dev that break it down and he had he said that property disputes run between both of them and he said if you look at property disputes and you look at how they usually occur within families and it's saying that you don't you have people that are linked together by family who are refusing to help others who need it and i i looked at that and i said that that's really really in- interesting cuz i think property disputes you can you can scale that up or down to money you can scale that to power you can look at that as influence you can look at that as respect you can look at it at whatever we as a society yeah. have placed value upon so if you have it it's it, it's meant to be shared you know um yeah. as opposed to just being kept for yourself so i think that's that's it's all very very interesting and uh, the other between both ramayana and mahabharata is that both uh, you know center around a woman ramayana mm. center around sita and mahabharata center around draupadi hmm uh you know but uh Ramayana and is it revisionist history that 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 Ravan wasn't purely a a bad character or an evil character or is that is that actually accurate? Uh because that happens so, to uh, that, that kind of goes sorry that kind of goes to your question about Karn before about yes yeah the, the the this movement of making Karn and looking at him and saying that you know he's maybe not he's not maybe a bad character as we may have thought yes i i have i've also read this uh, which says you know uh, even though Ra- ravan was a rakshasa uh, mm. he belonged to uh, you know the varna of brahmanism so mm. uh, brahmanism in the varna varnashrama categories were held in the most uh, you know highest po- position i think so so uh, saying that uh, we might see the have you heard the shiva tandava stotra mm, no but i was i was about to ask you was ravan a bhakt of, of of shiva mainly yeah uh, he was a very big uh, devotee of shiva 
and mm. uh, the problem with him as a rakshasa was that uh, he used to fall prey for uh, women so there is this Damn. one story which goes uh, ravan around uh, he you know uh, he does penance for some of some years and mm. uh, he goes to kailas to meet shiva and parvati so uh, shiva asks what what does he want so when mm. ravan sees parvati's beauty uh, he says uh, i need parvati so uh, in you know uh, according to the indian stories shiva is called uh, bolenath because he has, he gives whatever his devotees asks for so mm. he gives off parvati and uh, to parvati's rescue i think so uh, ganesh comes in uh, mm. uh i am sorry i'll just go back a little bit uh, he does penance for uh, the atmalinga okay so when uh, he he asks parvati for it but then uh, i i've forgotten what happens but then again he does penance and this time he gets the atmalinga but mm. when he comes back and he's walking uh, near a beach uh, it it happens to be sunset at that point so uh, you know brahmans usually have to do sandhyavanna at sunrise and sunset so mm. uh, that was his time for sandhyavanna so he sees a boy over there so he tells uh he gives the linga to the boy and he says uh, do not keep it down i have to take bath i have to finish my prayers then i have to come back so do not keep it down and please hold it for me the guy mm-hmm. the kid was lord ganesh that uh, ravan didn't know he he came as a kid like a regular human kid so this kid says i'll call your name three times if you didn't come by that i'll hmm. put down the linga and i'll just run away so uh, what <laughs> lord ganesh does using his wit even before ravan could finish his bath he calls his name thrice and he just keeps the linga on the beach so ravan damn rushes back and he hits the kid on his head and he tries hmm. to you know uh, move the linga but the linga wouldn't move so that place is called uh, gokarna in india which is a uh, mm. you know like the second goa of india you can say it's a hippie place right now but uh, <laughs> uh, there is uh, that is the atmalinga uh, we can touch the linga over there it is in a very mm. torted and uh, ravana uh, through the linga in three uh, places it's called uh, one is gokarna the top part mm-hmm. mm, i forgotten the mid part the base is in murdeshwara which is around 10 miles from gokarna 10 or 20 miles so uh, this is a very interesting story because in gokarna we can touch the linga also and uh, mm-hmm. all lord ganesh statue near that area uh, you know has a small dent on his head you can say mm. the idol has a dent saying ravana had hit him and uh, coming back to the statement that ravana was a huge shiva devotee he even mm. wrote the shiva tandava stotra which is very popular 
so uh, basically in, in every indian movies uh, whenever <laughs> there is a portrayal of lord shiva and he gets angry this music mm. starts playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that uh, that much popular and uh, yeah so uh, what happened this was um, no ravana was a good guy but as mm. i said he he fell prey to beautiful women so uh, there is also a story which says ravana had come to the swayamvar of sita and uh, when rama broke the bow he was uh, you know so insulted that he couldn't get the beauty of sita that is one of the other reason why he abducted sita damn and uh, there is also the story uh, you know uh, there is no not much glory in rama's life after they come back to ayodhya even according mm. to the stories and uh, texts and all because he he has to send his wife back and he doesn't see his kids until the time they wage war on him so uh, it is because ravana as a brahman when uh, rama as a kshatriya killed ravana hmm. he was cursed with the brahma hatya dosha which is the highest curse possible so wow that is uh, one of the they say that is one of the reason why rama didn't flourish in his life later and uh, around 10 years ago there was this huge uh, news in india they uh, a team of uh, archaeologists they followed all of rama's you know footprints from the texts mm-hmm. they went to sri lanka and uh, they went to places where uh, it's described what's described in the text and there's a small forest in sri lanka they show where uh, you know the berries which uh, grow there are the same mm-hmm. which grow in the himalayas and uh, that, that is the mountain which hanuman carried to sri lanka to save lakshman wow and uh, there is a place uh, which is still black you know it's like a, a rough tar road mm-hmm. uh, because of all the stones and uh, those uh, news people they were saying it is still hot they say that is the that was the airport of ravana back then where uh, you know he used to have his vimanas and that mm-hmm. is the place where uh, hanuman taught the the whole kingdom vimanas are what they what they say are are vedic ufos is what they would look back and say that the vedas had ideas of ufos in them not as a ufo but uh, an airplane that is what i feel because, okay uh, I, the but air- it is some type of air travel yes it is an air travel and the ancient okay. alien, aliens guy <laughs> he says it was a ufo but mm. uh, <laughs> i i tend to believe it as a, as an airplane and got you and uh, there is this uh, in that story itself there are uh, these tribes in sri lanka called naga tribes they have hmm. very less contact with the modern world so uh, they they have a cave which is 
only uh, they allow they allow very less people to there and in that cave uh, it is in a mountain so there is a you know like a mummified coffin hmm. so, leg- uh, legends that coffin is so huge it's like uh, um you know 10 feet in width and around 25 feet in length so the legend says that is the coffin of ravana where he is mummified wow so that was you know <laughs> back then it was a very wild uh, theory <laughs> damn have have you heard any of uh, stories like these no <laughs> this a lot of these i'm hearing <laughs> a lot of these i'm hearing for the first time from you so i'm shook it was uh, you know very fun uh, funny yet intriguing at the same time thinking about mummified ravana wow wow yeah. what a fight do you think our culture has uh inherently has mystic elements that maybe we haven't fully explored uh i'll just uh, say this uh, you know in mm. hinduism we says uh, we say uh, people say that we have uh, 64 vidyas 64 vidyas that we can contemplate into the 64 dimensions known to physics right now mm. in which we only know four and uh, the thing is if a person uh, i think so yeah just um, seeing the stories and texts written maybe they uh, you know they evolved their body so much that uh, yeah. they could you know travel through these 64 dimensions mm that is what i find you know very intriguing because same uh, it is not that easy because sitting in a, in a small house in this planet and uh, mm. thinking about how the universe works isn't you know with the technology we have itself we can't find anything else than yeah uh, so it was very like great if if they did that mm and uh, uh i think so uh, speaking of you know superior powers of a human being um, they say many himalayan yogis possess powers because uh, they uh, they are separated from the materialistic life interesting so there's this book called an autobiography of a yogi mm. uh, it's by paramahamsa yogananda so yes i've i've heard of that one yeah so in that uh, he says you know his he his experience and uh, the things he learned from being a kid to being mm-hmm. uh, paramahamsa is like kind of a highest position in uh, yoga uh, guru uh, that is the highest position given to a yoga guru so uh, from a kid to being a paramahamsa he shares his experience in that so that is a mm. very uh, good book that yes and there's also another book called uh, living with the himalayan masters 
by Swami Rama. Interesting. That in that also they uh, they share their experience being uh, being a yogi in the Himalayas and uh, how how the yogis are. Uh, you might have heard. Do you think there's some? Do you think there's some holy or unnatural forces in the Himalayas? I think so because uh, I when I went to the Himalayas, not to the deeper part, I've just mm. gone to the foothills. Uh, we feel. somewhat different from being in a you know uh, for example uh, if you take uh, rishikesh or haridwar let alone mm. the city even if we uh, you know step into the mountains for like 5 to 10 minutes it is an entirely different experience damn and uh, i think so it happens uh, it happens all over uh, you know uh, spiritual places for example uh, uh, have you heard the story that uh, when uh, uh, you know um, girija uh, that uh, shiva's first wife died have you heard that story no uh, they say uh, when she uh, shiva's first wife was sati so mm-hmm. when she was insulted by her own father about uh, marrying shiva shiva was uh, you know um, shiva is the keeper of graveyards so yeah. and her father insulted her saying that she married a graveyard keeper so mm. she she fell into the uh, yagya so she she died right there and when shiva got to know he opened his third uh, third eye and there was some destruction at that time mm. and uh, they say shiva became mad and he he started carrying his wife's body and he started roaming so uh, at that time uh, all the gods felt if shiva was to continue like this he would destroy mm. the entire universe and lord yeah. vishnu had to intervene so mm. uh you know he let off his sudarshana chakra and uh, cut sati's body uh, body parts into uh, hmm. 18 different pieces so uh one of the one of the part is in varanasi i think so that is the hand and mm-hmm. one is in uh, uh, you know uh, the yoni is in kamakya temple in assam so hmm. uh, they say uh, the goddess there kamakya devi uh, in that the idol itself bleeds for 4 days every month well so uh, even they uh, you know they give out clothes of the blood so uh, they say uh, the idol bleeds for 4 days a month 3 to 4 days damn and uh, one of the part was uh, i think so the hair hair landed in mysore that is uh, here in the chamundi hills it's called uh, the chamundi mm-hmm. temple so which was established by adi shankara about i think so 2000 years ago minimum so this temple uh, the temple was pretty much older than that he established it as a temple they it was only uh, you know 
it was spread uh, by the tribes back then but adishankara mm. established it as a temple so i think so it dates back minimum around 3000 year old temple we can say uh, which is like i've heard sadgurus use the word adi yoga is that another name for for shiv bhagwan or yeah. is that some someone else yes the, it, it is actually uh, the adi, adi yogi is a term for shiva because okay you know some of these uh, i find uh, i was reading about these flat earth theories they say mm-hmm. the earth is covered uh, with a dome and there's nothing above that so uh, okay when we compare that to the hinduism it uh, you know it compares with the structure of a linga there's a dome mm. and there's a plate and there's nothing above that so it is it is kind of wild but i find it very interesting though that comparison mm very and uh, as you said uh, sadguru actually he is from my city so oh nice uh, he were, he attained his uh, you know uh, what is the word for that and he got enlightened in the chamundi hills and his foundation is also there or it's somewhere else uh, no it's it's around uh, 100 120 miles from mysore okay uh, there uh, he has the adiyogi statue also hmm uh, but uh, whenever i traveled to the temple over here it is an entirely mm-hmm. different experience once you enter the temple uh, i don't know, i feel this personally uh, i start to sweat my uh, tears start to come out of my eyes i don't know why i have goosebumps and uh, you know i i feel somewhat different when i enter the temple itself damn so that's amazing so uh, you should also visit once <laughs> so maybe yeah for sure experience all these the last time i was in india was in 96 oh the time i <laughs> so was so it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so it's been very very long but hopefully i think by well corona's messing things up but if not this year then definitely next year i'm going to make a trip you should come by the you know during the dasara time you know our city mm. is fully decorated as a bride you can say that much <laughs> decorated and uh, the last day the vijayadashmi day an elephant carries the golden howdah which weighs around 750 kgs and on top of mm. the, uh, there is a there is an idol of the chamundi goddess which weighs around another 250 kgs so the elephant carries around 1 ton of gold on his back and walks for about 7 to 8 kilometers so it will be very magical yeah. to watch you should come by that time yeah i would love to but uh, i think so this year there is not going to be that much of a celebration with this no probably not <laughs> covid 19 yeah and uh we had our deep talk how how excited are you for for Zack Snyder's Justice League oh super excited because uh yeah nice just got my you know zs jail band <laughs> uh two weeks nice things so because uh the problem is with shipping as you know custom yeah stuff. 
somehow i got this the other hoodie and all i didn't get at all so hmm. how, how much are you excited for dc fandom i'm excited for well i think i'm excited mainly because of the justice league trailer more than anything else yeah. you know we should leave the justice league uh, because that is on top for everyone <laughs> as a dc fan yeah <laughs> we should talk about the other things which are you know not justice league related right now <laughs> yeah like are you excited for the batman i am in in a kind of way but i i would have been more excited if it was ben mm so uh, uh you know anyone uh indian in hollywood uh you're breaking up sorry what did you say uh, you know anyone as an indian in hollywood and how they you know feel because uh i was reading an article and, hmm. uh, which said indians are mistreated culturally in uh, most of the hollywood movies in what context uh you know Have you heard of this movie uh, starring Brie Larson called Bhagmati Proof? Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Because that is uh, you know, uh, please don't mind my language, that is one stupid ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because it shows that uh, Brie Larson being a food scientist, she comes to India and teaches mm-hmm. Indian farmers how to grow basmati rice which yields more in production wow that and uh, you know in the avengers one uh, where uh, hulk and black widow meet usually india mm. is shown as the slum slum areas and uh, even in slum dog millionaire also mm-hmm. slum uh, dog millionaire the movie itself is about the slum so but in the avengers and uh, even in the simpsons uh, i forgot the character's name apu i think so which mm. has this cringiest possible uh, you know voice or uh, dialect as an indian yeah yeah i it's very very tricky and um it's tricky in the sense that there is the idea of i think what you're getting at with basmati blues is the the white savior complex yes exactly yeah and i think people hate on china a lot and china's very controversial but if you want your films to play in china china will just straight up say this has to be out because you're portraying us in a negative way yeah and because china is such a huge market financially hollywood will be like okay that's fine So if the Hulk scene was to take place in China, chances are it would not be in that film at all if it portrayed China as being poor or the slums or or what have you. And Yeah, yeah and it, it makes you wonder like I'll always bring it back to do you remember the Indiana Jones movie The Temple of Doom? Uh I remember it vaguely. So in there there's it's predominantly set in india most of the films events yeah. are predominantly set in india but yes. but they portray indians as worshiping the worshiping kalima the the they'll 
the and doing human sacrifices and eating monkey brains and yes, I yes, think no. that yeah if you look at that that's that's highly problematic you know exactly and uh, even the character of kunal nayar in uh, big bang theory that also mm. uh, you know uh, he has this uh, what can i say an inferiority complex when compared to his roommates he's still afraid of his parents and uh, he is very afraid to talk to a girl and only when he drinks it is possible to talk to a girl that yeah and uh, but uh, in a positive way ifan uh, hmm. khan's character changed some perspective in hollywood for uh, indians basically for which film uh, you know many of his films including jurassic world okay. the amazing spider mm. and uh, many of his life of pi i've never seen life of pi is good yeah it is very good you know that, that is uh, you know it is in a bizarre way but it's portrayed mm. so beautifully it is very good nice 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 that uh, even for that uh, matter even priyanka chopra so mm. i i don't know i have never watched quantico or anything like that she was very uh, same she did good in baywatch i watched baywatch that's all and uh, you know she she is also a big name in hollywood right now mm but very uh, the thing is even uh, people of indian descent like uh, ritu arya in the umbrella academy and mm. uh, anya shalotra in the witcher so it is kind of you know it is a moment of pride somewhere that uh, yeah indians are in that uh, position and do you think there's a responsibility for indians in that position or no like your your personal perspective uh see uh because uh, right now i have contracts with uh, with many of these movie studios so i mm. feel personally i feel responsible as an indian to re- uh, you know uh, to reciprocate our culture in okay uh for example i, I have been writing this uh, story it's called uh, uh, one nyc Uh, so mm. uh right now uh, it's being you know in uh, a, there are meetings going on about that so uh, in that the female lead is an indian character so but nice uh you know she's uh, she's at the wrong wrong place at the wrong time also it's kind of like that so it, mm. uh, the entire thing takes place in manhattan so that is why i named it one nyc <laughs> <laughs> i i had a meeting with some of the execs 3 uh, days ago about a uh, nice. uh, short you know like a limited series called uh, spirit spirit as in mm. two, two meanings one is uh, the alcohol and the other mm. is the uh, Uh, you know the ghost kind of thing and mm. where uh, uh the father character is uh, it has to be played by an uh, by a native american and the mother character mm. is an indian so indian woman uh, yeah and uh, uh, you watched never have i ever on netflix 
Uh, no, never seen it. So that is uh, that is a story of uh, no, an Indian American girl living mm. the modern world. That uh, I think so. It was created by. And me. how did you feel about that? I didn't watch it entirely, but uh, okay. But what from what my cousin said, it is kind of the thing that she feels as a teenager right now in the America. Okay. So, so she she thought it was pretty accurate. Yeah, she told me that. Nice. <laughs> and you, I'm sorry, you you said your cousin was in, in what part? Uh, she lives in Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, that one, the uh, you you saw that matchmaking thing? Yeah, Indian matchmaking. Yeah. <laughs> This kind of funny because in India. relatives do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they they just search some girl and because my relatives started already you are already going to be 24 right now in another 2 wow. years you are married <laughs> what are you doing with your life i said I'm, what do you say to that <laughs> auntie i'm working in hollywood movies so what you are sitting at home right now <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> typical indian aunties so <laughs> there's that damn so yeah man it's it's part of our it's a yeah. i think a an ugly part of our culture if you want my opinion because yeah. you're basically telling people that they have no worth unless they can find a partner and that and uh, still my relatives think that uh being a screenwriter is not an actual job they told me i have mm. to get a job in a bank because because i studied engineering and i never pursued that field uh some of my relatives and two of my cousins uh from my father's side they stopped talking to me <laughs> wow so it's like less burden right now <laughs> no talking Do they look at that as like a point of shame like they're not proud of you for that? I think so. Uh and the other reason was uh uh one of my cousin who doesn't speak to me uh she mm. uh she uh, when she got engaged she she studied in the same college as, which which I did. She was my senior by 4 years. Hmm. So uh you know uh, she got engaged in 2016 or anything so she uh, she demanded my car uh, to be taken for her trip so i i de- i denied that so she took that also as a insult or something <laughs> damn <laughs> pretty funny people <laughs> relatives yeah Yeah, we there's no there's never a dull moment with our families. Yeah, absolutely. Has anything never like this moment. happened to you? Oh, for sure. For sure, for sure. Lost uh, a lot of friends, a lot of relationships because, you know, I think that's just when you pursue something creatively, there's no there's no assurance with it. You know, it's a very risky risky endeavor. Yes, uh, I I absolutely agree with you because uh, being in a middle class Indian family, 
uh, what we learn from our childhood is we have to score more than 90% in our exams mm. uh, do either engineering or study medicine become an engineer or a doctor marry by 20 25 to 27 settle down yep. earn around uh, some 90 90 to 95000 rupees per month stay happy mm. in your life there is no point happy of happy and stable yeah uh, yeah stable is the exact word and there is yeah. no point of you know taking risk in uh, in a world which is more creative because uh, mm. what i feel is uh, indians stay in their comfort zone mm. most of the indians so people Very true. who uh, you know try to come out of that if they have proper support they excel very good and if they are pulled down by their relatives and the society around them then their life becomes very miserable because they can't follow their passion and they don't like their profession mm. so uh, right now uh, for, for example let's take the both of us because you being a podcaster that is something personally i look up to because you know uh, right now we are uh, with this all these news channels and uh, social media negativity learning mm. something like this for example uh, uh, your podcast and uh, uh, there's this podcast on spotify called uh, bhaskar boss a detective podcast mm. so that and uh, many other podcasts you know literally saved me from this negativity out there so because I, i listen to things and i write them down and uh, i discuss it with, uh, with my friends and family mm. and uh, uh, my father uh, he he's been following devdat from many years so when i told uh, Uh, that you usually speak with devdat a lot so we watched your uh, the whole interview together nice so uh, pretty much i learn new things so because that is what is important is what i feel learning new mm. things and coming out of that comfort zone is pretty much important so what do you Very. feel I just think we need more people in creative spaces because that's the only way that those will ever be stable. You know? It's like because we don't have enough of a presence there, people think it's not possible. Yes. So so I I've kind of broken it down in the, in a scientific kind of a way of just it's 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 very easy for me to grasp the idea of if 10 people come if 10 indians come out and say one wants to be an author one wants to be a podcaster one wants to be a youtube star one wants to be a director one wants to be a writer one wants to be a photographer one wants to be um whatever whatever creative other things are left if you don't support those individuals who want to explore those things then we're never going to have anyone make it in that space so you're then always going to be able to look at that and say oh well this is not a stable thing because no one has ever done it 
Well, if you don't support people in getting there, how is anyone ever going to do it? And I feel like those those who have done it, there has to be, I think, some level, and maybe we can make this uh, a dharmic thing. There has to be something of, I have made it, so now I have to open the way or pave the way for future generations to also make it. And I feel like the the Indian people who have really made it, I don't think they've done that. Like they've spoken about how difficult it is to make it for Indians, but I don't feel like they've actually opened doors for other Indians to do so. Uh, yes, I agree with you. Uh, I I wanted to do, do this as in... Uh, mm. I wanted, uh, you know, when I uh, when I joined uh, Warner Brothers in 2014, I I mm. wanted to bring some of my, uh, you know, fellow writers whom I knew uh, since uh, back then. But the problem is, there is also a problem with us also. Uh, as I said, the inferiority complex or the white superiority complex, which was implemented on us by the Britishers back then, we carry mm. still right now because uh, because of our color being dark some mm. uh, some people they are uh, uh, too shy or too meek to come out and uh, to speak you know uh, for example if i have to sit with a meeting with many of white mm. people so uh, as a person i'm just uh, saying i have to have the confidence in in the work I have to do, it's, I feel it's uh, it has nothing to do with color. So mm. uh, many people lack that here. What I've observed, and uh, and have you have you struggled with that in those meetings? Uh, not that much because many okay. of, many of them have been very accepting. In uh, you know, I started out with Paramount in two thousand fourteen itself. So uh, mm. then. Uh, they were very accepting. So, I, one thing I found which is very good in Hollywood is that they respect the talent rather than the mm. individual, which doesn't happen in the Indian film industry. Damn. So, uh, so I wanted to ask you in the beginning itself, how was your uh, session with uh, Ray and Zach? Mm. I approached that with, I didn't want to approach it as me being a fan, you know? And I think people people maybe wanted someone who would just sit there and be quiet because Ray and Zach were there. But I, I didn't approach it that way. I wanted to very much establish that, you know, that I take this seriously and I take it as an art form. So I think when you when you approach it that way, it's going to be... It's scary and it's risky, but you have to, you have to, you know, there's a, there's a phrase in terms of act like you've been there before. Yes. Where you can't get, you, you can't get too excited with things. And even when I talk to Dave Dutt, I'm, I feel completely intellectually outmatched by Dave Dutt. And I'm a huge fan of Dave Dutt. But even when I speak to him in the context of a podcast, I have to, I have to, I have to present myself as I know what I'm doing yeah, yeah. to a certain extent. You know, you can't just get out there and not be confident or not be vocal or not be assertive. And uh, I think that's the difference that a lot of people don't know about podcasting versus interviewing, right? With an interview, 
You can be a fan. You can be a professional interviewer. You just ask a question and you just shut up and let the person answer. So your personality doesn't really come out. But in a podcast conversation, if you're presenting yourself as a personality, then you have to be driven by your personality. So it doesn't matter if it's Zach. It doesn't matter if it's Ray. It doesn't matter if it's Devda. It doesn't matter if it's Shah Rukh Khan. It doesn't matter if it's anything. If you feel like you belong there, then you have to... You have to be yourself, and you can't be afraid to be yourself. Yeah, it's it's one of uh, you know one of the new things I learned right now. Mm. And uh, you know, I I just want to ask, as a fan, how how was it for you uh, talking? Because uh, when Vero, uh, I I've subscribed to Vero YouTube, so when Vero you know showed me that in my notifications, and I pressed on that, and as soon yeah. as uh, I I was I you know I was cooking at that time. and i heard uh, nice. you saying namaste so then you had yeah. namaste i stopped cooking and i watched the entire thing <laughs> that was also very deliberate too because i wanted to um you know it's, it's a small thing but i wanted to have some indian thing there that establishes that that i am indian and this may be different and that we are being we are able to represent ourselves throughout throughout other various art forms like podcasting and, and newer art forms like podcasting and such and uh, you know uh, uh, it is as you said it's a very small word but uh, mm. to people like me that you know that one word you know gives it into the entire conversation so as i said i stopped cooking as soon as i heard namaste i just took out my phone came came back to my couch <laughs> yeah the whole thing That's amazing. And you know, I I wanted it to be very subtle as well. So it's really weird that you're telling me this because I didn't want to come out and say like, yes, I'm an Indian American and I'm going to have this conversation from the Indian American perspective and I I didn't want to be too on the nose with it. So I just figured like the most basic thing for us is when we see somebody, we say namaste. That's it. When I see my parents every single morning, or when i talk to my uncle or my bua or or everyone else that's the first thing we say to each other is just namaste it's very simple and yeah so i'm 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 really happy that that you said that that makes me feel good and uh, as you know now namaste is the you know the mantra for greeting everyone around the world right now because of no touching <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh because uh, even i have stopped uh, handshakes or fist bumps or even hugging with mm. people less just say namaste and move on yeah <laughs> say namaste and move on and <laughs> 6 feet apart from me that's facts facts bro facts but yeah we should definitely talk when uh when justice league comes out maybe i mean i don't know i don't know what system you have but if you ever want to join me on a a live stream we can do that too anytime uh, you want yeah i i i'd, I'd love that Uh, I just want to, because I'm very new at this. This is my fourth episode, and I I just nice. so, uh, you know how I don't know the depth of podcasting that much. So mm. just have to learn more and more. Yeah, uh, I mean I I can help you in, in, if you ever need any help or anything, and if I can in any way, just let me know, and I'll be more than happy to. Yeah, uh, it is a it's a lot of work, and I think that's what is often lost on people too. Is there's a lot of work that goes into it. So, you know, that's what I've been trying to tell people that this is actually 
and you've done a great job and I, I feel like you have a very great personality and you are able to convey your thoughts and I think a lot of people when they approach podcasting, we're doing this completely unscripted. Yeah. You know? This is our this is a, this is our first time talking and I that's to get people to understand that there's an art in doing that. I think I think you got the hardest part figured out. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to hear more from you. And yeah, whenever you want to hop on a live with me to to talk about things, whether it's, you know, Hinduism or uh stories from from our culture or whatever, because uh, I still have a lot of research to do myself, so just let me know and we can we can make it happen. Yeah, we surely can. Uh, I just uh, you know um, it was I did I haven't found people like you in India itself. You know, believing in Hinduism so much, yet staying mm. because uh, in India there are two parts. One who take up Hinduism very seriously, they are mm. called you know spiritual nerds kind of people. <laughs> yeah not uh, treated or valued properly and the other Damn. people are they don't care about what our uh, dharma says and mm. as you know uh, they lot of stand up comedians they make fun of our gods in a very mean possible kind of ways mm. so uh, again hinduism has that freedom of people you know to imitate or make fun of our gods also so that yeah. another advantage as well as a disadvantage right mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah and you know to to be completely honest i've been guilty of that in in the past to an extent i i don't feel like when i joked about it in in the past it was now i look back at it and i'm like yeah that i i shouldn't have done that because it goes a really long way into sh- and you you don't think it does but it actually does it goes a long way into into shaping how other people are going to view your culture. So this idea of of representation, you know, we shouldn't rely on on Hollywood or other big media uh conglomerates to sit there and say, "Yes, please. Please represent us in in, in a positive light because they they have no they have no vested interest in doing so." You know, then it then it's just like it, for them it just becomes a favor. Yeah. If there's every time where it's it's quote unquote cool to be Indian, Hollywood will put out a film with an all Indian cast and complex Indian characters because it's going to be you know, it's going to be profitable for them to do so at the time. And it's never been profitable, so they they have no vested interest. That's why we have to have that we have to do it ourselves. You know, it's 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 the Thanos meme. Fine, I'll do it myself. Yes. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, complex Indian characters. Uh, Tenet has mm. one. So, is uh, it a Dimple Kapadia's character? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. You know, nice. It is ki- uh, kind of complex in a very complex way <laughs> to say. Okay. And uh, the scenes they have shot. Is it Hinduism related? Uh, no, not that much. But uh, okay. You know, uh, it's not. you know we can't take it uh, in a hinduism context but it's kind of mm. cool but uh, and that is it, and, is it philosophical i can't say that too it's kind of a okay it's it hits you hard as an indian kind of uh, character nice okay that's good enough and uh, the scenes they have shot in mumbai they it that's very good and uh, mm. so i'm 
very excited to watch tenet also same uh, it opens in september in india because uh, opening theaters they have not given permission as of yet because is that your um, do you have a favorite nolan movie film uh, interstellar is my all time favorite movie <laughs> nice I don't know why I got I connected with that movie the first time mm. I watched it itself. Uh and the other movie which I you know uh, uh uh I'll I'll just say this please don't mind me saying this in 2014 yeah. I I I failed my 12th grade for the first time so I was contemplating suicide and all so at that time Oh damn at that time the movie which helped me was man of steel and interstellar hmm so uh these two movies is what got me into you know basically into hollywood itself so uh nice especially man of steel uh, that you know the meaning of hope or the symbol so that hmm. is uh, very special to me <laughs> that's amazing so uh, No, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, sharing these memes with Jacob. Uh, I, I hope you know Jacob Torres. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was sharing these memes because how uh, uh, I was on uh, the first day of Justice League uh, release because uh, mm. from what these execs had told us, uh, it was that mm. the basically uh, what they told the entire world was uh, that. Weeden brushed up some of the works that Zach had left, uh, which undone. So <laughs> I went into the movies. I took forty of my friends, ten of my mm. family members. I wow. went into the movies, and I'm sitting, and I'm watching. What is this garbage I'm seeing on the screen? <laughs> First frame of Superman's jaw, lips, everything botched up. <laughs> Yeah. That was Yeah, it was bad. That was one of the worst theatrical experiences I've ever had. Yeah, it was really bad. And uh uh, uh WB India no <laughs> they told I misbehaved in the Bangalore Comic Con because I held the release the Snyder Cut board. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and again i had to get my agents into you know uh <laughs> bringing back the normalcy but then again they said, mm. uh after 2 3 days after that incident they sent me uh, a t-shirt of uh, the new batman logo mm. uh, the gun batman logo uh, pattinson mm. batman and that and nice they sent me an hbo max uh, hamper even though hbo max is not available in that country <laughs> <laughs> did they say when it would be i don't know uh, but i use vpn and i, I use my sister's account to watch all hbo max content so i don't worry about nice. that so uh, you have anything favorite on hbo max right now um nothing at the moment no uh, because uh i loved perry mason uh it is mm. although it is from hbo 
I watched it on HBO Max because I don't have HBO. So I love Perry Mason very much. It is taken in a you know, very beautiful manner. And uh, nice. Any show? I think they just added Birds of Prey on HBO. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Yeah, I I watched it in the theater. I didn't like it that much. So. Yeah, I saw it the other day. I didn't like it much either. Ah, uh, any any DC movie. I usually go to the theater first day first show whatever the mm. in the morning is so there is nothing to worry <laughs> yeah and uh, any show or movie you are watching right now currently um, what am i watching right now oh i started house of cards the other day oh okay so and you are very the- intense show at the beginning of the series yes oh okay okay uh, i very just... very good yeah uh, it is an absolute gem you know one of i think so it's one of the oldest netflix originals yeah flix has come a very long way uh, i've been watching the umbrella academy season 2 nice and how is it yeah it, i think so it is better than the season 1 and uh, you know uh, the character of number 5 in that series is mm. i feel that it is one of the you know one of the most underrated teenage superhero character interesting uh, it, it is it is very good and uh, the graphics they've used uh, it is done by vita digital so hmm. you know point finger towards vita for mistakes they they have brilliant cg work anyhow so uh, it's raining here in india right yeah there are floods and uh, so stay so, safe we definitely have to we definitely have to do this again yeah i mean rivers are there are two rivers near near my city but uh, both of them are 20 20 kilometers apart so there's no harm for my city right now only harm is mm. this covid <laughs> damn uh, i think so two weeks ago i i had all of these covid symptoms but thank god i tested negative so yeah thank god i i just started staying home being at home is better than having the disease uh, my father's teacher uh, she she was a doctor too she volunteered mm. to uh, uh, to you no know, to fight uh, the disease and uh, she died from the disease two days ago oh no my condolences <laughs> thank you so uh, my father was pretty upset <laughs> but uh, i think so uh, to people who take this pandemic very you know in a careless manner they should know the bad part of this also mm. so that is what I, i i tell my friends who are roaming to see uh, all the dam gates opened i tell them stay home i think if you if you stay home you can watch the same thing next year also yeah what if 
if you don't stay alive what can you you know accomplish in your life true i wish people in florida understood that yeah uh, yeah my aunt was telling uh, the number was jumping in thousands per day just in mm. florida yep like, damn <laughs> <laughs> that's florida for you bro <laughs> um please come home but once. damn uh when you come to india come to mysore there are yeah for sure there are so many places you have to watch in the you know you have to see in the southern part of india hmm. uh, there is there is a place where uh, in tamil nadu where they say uh, shiva and parvati got married at that place they say uh and, wow oh an amazing thing is that in in that temple uh, the linga changes its color five times a day it goes from being black to dark uh, you know to teal to gold mm. to copper to pink so it changes five colors a day and uh, there are so many other things you have to see in the southern part i'll, I'll definitely keep you keep you updated for if i if i make a plan for sure please 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 yeah. come do visit so, for sure uh, thank you so and much for agreeing thank you for having me on for the you know, that was a it was a great conversation bro and uh, we definitely have to jump on a live session one day for sure yeah surely we'll do that all right bro thank take care so stay safe bring and come yeah. on thank anytime for, uh, bro another big thank you for pronouncing my name right <laughs> <laughs> course i'll talk to you thank soon thank you uh i right, had your lunch uh i'm going to go have lunch now actually okay so, all see right. you again so you have Thanks, yeah you have a good night all right bye thank you bye thank you so much karan bhai for joining us on the anything pod and providing us with your insights and your opinions on the topic Once again I say this stay safe stay home and be happy thank you so much